You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. Uh, You might be wondering, why am I in a truck right now recording? Well, the my my house and my recording studio, my office, is uh, it's all cooled by a swamp cooler because I live out in the desert area, and swamp coolers are are actually really good for dry environments. But the something's wrong with it. My house is hotter than hell, and so I'm not getting any recording done. And these episodes have to go out. The show must go on, right? Right. Okay, just so you know, though, that the the interviews are not done with this, so if the audio doesn't sound that great, just bear with me. The audio gets better with the actual interviews. All right, my guest this week is a man named Cole Rogers. He's a lifestyle entrepreneur, he's a business leader, and he's the founder of The School of Men. In fact, he's also written a book called The School of Men, The Book. And uh, he's a fascinating cat. Uh, he's he's done a lot of you know events like Tough Mudder and um, you know the, those obstacle course type type races. Uh, and and so I'm getting ready for one of those. In fact, uh, when this drops, I think I have about a month left before my actual Tough Mudder. So I asked him if he had any advice for a, a guy that's never done. Uh, you know, an obstacle course race like that before. So he he actually gives me some tips. Uh, he talks about, you know, running businesses. He talks about mindset. It's a really good episode, and I think you guys are going to like it. And I will bring you that interview right after this. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm not sure what you're doing tonight, but what I'm doing involves a bottle of Carvassier and a lady. Well, maybe not the Carvassier, but definitely a lady. If you're like me, you're tired of expensive, girly-smelling colognes from expensive department stores. You don't want to smell like a little bitch. You want to smell like a friggin' man. That's why I've partnered with Duke Cannon. Duke Cannon has a wide range of men's grooming products that actually smell manly as hell. My personal favorites are their Naval Supremacy Bar Soap and all of their awesome-smelling colognes that women love. I have several of their colognes for different days of the week. But my Saturday night cologne is Grant, because it gets the job done, if you know what I mean. Right now, if you visit duke.comeonmanpod.com, you get free shipping on orders over $25. Using duke.comeonmanpod.com tells them I sent you, and you get free shipping. Win-win. Again, that's duke.comeonmanpod.com. Don't smell like a little bitch. All right, joining me this week is a lifestyle entrepreneur, businessman, and a leading minister of impact. He's come from the brink of divorce and battling substance abuse to achieving what all men seek, freedom. 
His name is Cole Rogers. How are you doing today, Cole? I am better than my better than I deserve, my man. How are you? Ah, doing good. So, when you say all men seek freedom, what do you mean by that exactly? I mean freedom of time. Like you can, there's not just freedom of time. Liberation is probably the hardest thing for anybody to come by. We like to pretend that we are free, but uh, we we seek security. And if you want security, go to prison. And the number one prison is right there in a man's mind and his heart. I mean, we create all this, this box lifestyle and you wake up. And if you look at, if you were to create kind of like a graph, when a guy gets in his thirties or forties, his happiness dips. And Mm -hmm. it's, whereas in his early twenties, he's in self-discovery mode. And then happiness dips because he loses that warrior spirit, that fire, for whatever reason. It's not because he has children or a family. It's just stress goes up. And when stress goes up, things in his life that are important to him go down. And so when I say a man seeks freedom and liberation, I mean, we can make more money, machines print it. You can't make more time. You can't print more time. I've not met anybody that's done that, even Elon Musk. And when I, when a man is seeking the ultimate, the ultimate truth of just being a free man, being able to love himself, to know thyself, not caring what others think, right? Practicing the subtle art of, of caring without caring, if you will, and being willing to take a stand when no one else is taking a stand. That's freedom to me, man. Uh, that, that's just absolute freedom. Having a dad bod is not freedom. Uh, having you know, being locked in to a job or a career and you're so scared to, to pursue a dream because your scarcity in mind, you're not abundant and you are just addicted to that salary. That's not freedom, right? And you wake up like you're, you're my father-in-law situation who's been in the ICU for almost four weeks now and more men will die with regret than they've never lived a day in their life. And I'm not saying that's my father-in-law, but hell, there's walking dead men in their 30s and 40s. We just don't bury them until they're in their 80s, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by that. I mean, it's one of those deals. We Our country's founded upon it. We speak about it. Blood has been shed over it for thousands upon thousands of years. But what I've seen in the past couple of years, and this isn't a political statement, but it's just the truth. Uh, people quickly conform. People quickly just lose sight of what freedom truly means. And we were all born free but we create these prisons in our life and it's just blanketed by security and comfort. Got it. Yeah. Um, so you're not, you're not just talking about work-life balance or, or something as simple no. as that. It's, it's, it's more to no. it. Like living life to its fullest maybe is a better description. Yeah. Living an earned life, right? Like you've earned every inch of your life. And I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough you know, to work with some incredible men and women. I'm fortunate enough to coach incredible men across the country. And every one of them will tell you this, and the, you know, heck of millionaires, wealth, all, you name it, that these, you know, they have that type of resume. However, the number one thing that you'll hear from any man, a 1% man will never be about his money, right? It will never be about how much wealth he has. He never leads with this resume. It's not. It's about making memories and creating experiences. Mm. That's what it's all about. 
right? And that is the essence of being a free man, is the ability to make memories and create experiences with the ones that we love the most and who love us the most. So it's not a work-life balance. I mean, there's going to have to be sacrifices at some point somewhere along the way to get where you want to go, right? And balance, in my personal opinion, is an illusion. And you have to integrate the things that matter most in your life, which unfortunately more men mistake movement with progress. So they never integrate. They, they use a shotgun approach, which I've been that guy. That's why I speak so passionately about it. We use a shotgun approach instead of a rifle approach, thinking that we're going to make these big moves in our life. And then we feel like we're just uh, we're in quicksand uh, at the end of the day. So, you know, from a from that perspective, that's what I always am talking about with my guys. It's like, hey. Now, freedom is something that's earned every single day. You go to bed, you wake up, it's something you should pursue. And you should pursue uh, and chase immortality based upon the life you have earned and, and you have the life of impact you have given to this world. That's the greatest gift we can give anybody. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you fought back from the brink of divorce. Uh, mm-hmm. Your wife is Ashley, correct? Yeah. Okay. Your wife is Ashley. You have two kids together. Tell us about that experience. Why were you headed towards divorce and, and how did you turn things around? Man, unhealthy alpha syndrome. I mean, that's that's the best way I can put it is the unhealthy alpha syndrome. And I was feeding myself uh, bullcrap, calling it caviar, meaning like I was, I could lie to myself and think it was the truth, thinking that everything is, was going to be okay as long as the bank account was full. The businesses were growing. You know, we're taking trips, you know, just checking the box. You know, the big three, uh, athletics, women, and money. Those are the three things as, as young boys we've been taught to benchmark ourselves on. You catch a kid watching YouTube today. They're recording videos on yachts and houses. I mean, back, in, you know, when I was watching MTV, it was MTV Cribs. That's what you grew up around. Mm-hmm. And so none of this came with the manual, as we all know. None of it comes with the manual when you're a father. It doesn't, you don't have a manual or you can read thousands of books on marriage, but until you actually get in it uh, and, and learn and, and surround yourself with better men, you, you're going to just have to experience the pain. And I brought in a lot of unhealthy habits. One, The number one being lying to her, white lying to her. Uh, yeah, I mean, like a rehearsal dinner of, before our marriage. I mean, I was... Of course, lit and on Adderall and found her at midnight trying to 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 get some love. She quickly shooed me off and I left her, her crying. That's how I started my marriage. Mm. And I it just continued to compound itself like a snowball rolling down a hill. I, I jokingly said this morning at School of Man headquarters, it's like I've been divorced three times and married three times to the same woman. She gave me three chances and that last chance was the pain that brought me to the knees. And when you're beaten, broken, and you are brought to your knees, like Victor Frankl says, that's when you're ready to learn and when you're ready to grow. But on the surface, from a resume perspective, from an optics perspective, from an Instagram filter perspective, everybody would say, man, that family's got it going on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing well. They're progressing in life. You know, it's we're the proverbial family that would fight before you go into church be all squared away while you're in church, walk out and fight in the car going to get something to eat, right? Mm. Because we we were raised, both of us were, 
And I'm a Southern boy. So, you you know, she's a Southern girl. We were raised to not air out your dirty laundry. You know, don't talk about money. You know, the thing you, you have to put on this facade or put on a mask to make sure that you check the box and you don't make you don't disappoint mama, even though mama and daddy are dealing with their own things. I never you know, that's just where we were the first five, six years of our marriage. And because I brought in a lot of unhealthy habits, an inflamed ego. I mean, you know, another example was doing cocaine off of a counter while in Oxford, Mississippi. She's pregnant with my son, had no clue. I go out all night, party, come back just in time to make a cup of coffee for her. She thought that I got up before her. And just in time when I walked in the door to make that cup of coffee, she was waking up. She didn't know anything. I was still high. We drive home. State trooper pulls me over. I was speeding. I thought I was going to jail. He let me out because she gave me the death stare. And I'll never forget that. You know, you thought you would think that would have woke me up. And it did for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But I would I would deal with self-sabotaging loops just like every other man does. And they would get longer and longer, which was great. But, man, when I would hit that loop, like going to the masters and just being on Adderall the entire time and go, coming to, to meet her and the kids and not even pretty much being present with my children. I was just trying to, to make it through the wedding at her cousin's because I was still hung over from Augusta, Georgia for two days of partying. You know, that was kind of the, that's where I was professionally. It's like, okay, you get a few days away. Let's just, let's just absolutely burn the town now. Mm-hmm. Right. And I work hard, I would, play hard. Right. Yeah. Oh, play harder. Right. And I would work my ass off. I'm a work, you know, I'm a workhorse. But as long as she's taken care of, as long as the kids are going to private school, as long as, you know, they got new clothes, you know, checking the checking the proverbial boxes. We were good, but it just blew up. It's like putting a grenade in your backpack. You pulled the pin. Eventually that backpack's going to blow up. You know, mm-hmm. that, it, it just eventually will. And it did on me two or three times until I finally had to learn the hard lesson. Her basically saying, hey, I'm done. You've lied to me again. And I'm headed out east with the, with the kids. And it was after something amazing happened. I mean, I purchased this CrossFit gym, which is not my primary business, but it's a passion of mine. But it was a way for me to teach and coach and mentor perfectly flawed men like myself through fitness to connect it to the mind, to the, to the emotional capacity side of us and the spiritual piece. I go through hell week as a civilian, graduate it, completely reclaim myself, you know, just completely reborn as a man. So I thought, but I mistake movement with progress. I go on a Christian radio show, tell the whole story in long form podcast. The only person that had never heard it was her, even though we'd been in therapy for two years, two and a half years up at that point. So the grenade exploded at that. I had no other choice. I was, I was at the end of the rope, the proverbial rope and, you know, you have to create your own reality. And that's how Psalm got its kickstart. That's how it, I mean, I just basically had to develop a new network because that was my net worth. And my net worth was pretty bankrupt at that point in time because my network was weak. Mm-hmm. So you so you said you guys you guys actually got divorced three times or was it just heading? Towards it's a divorce? joke. It okay. was, it, yeah. So like we it was headed that way. I said, you know what? We pretty much got divorced three times. Yeah. And we got remarried three times. So it's just kind of a, one of those deals out I, I am fortunate and God has blessed me with her because more she could have been gone a long time ago. And honestly, it wouldn't have surprised me. 
if she would have left. But she didn't. She's not a quitter. She's a fighter, and that's both of us. How long have you guys been married? It'll be 11 years this June. Okay. Congratulations on that. That's uh, that's a lot longer than most people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a topic your team sent me was the idea of being better together. Um you know, know your partner and get the best out of others, even when they don't think it's possible. Is that strictly about romantic relationships or could that be applied to any relationship? Any relationship, man. I mean, it's, you can't be a taker, right? You know, if you're a taker, you become an energy vampire real quick. And I'm a big believer that you can't manage time, but you manage energy. And we were built to transfer energy. We all know what it feels like. To, to be a part of a winning team and capture momentum and you feel the energy in the room, you hear it sometimes, you know, my God, did you feel that energy in the room? I mean, that's just that connectivity, that connection that you have a lot of go-giving people in the same room that are very abundant in mindset and not scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. And so when I say better together, we were created to collaborate. We were created to help each other continue to go up levels. And I, you know, I have a saying, your who is greater than your how, right? So many of us want to reverse engineer thing like, how do I launch a business? How do I, you know, develop a real estate portfolio? Or how do I get into becoming an author and a public speaker? It's, it, that should never be our question. We should always say, who can help me? Who can help me get to, you know, they're further down the path. And, you know, once I started quit being a lone wolf, once I started quit being that unhealthy alpha and started looking at things from a broader perspective and saying, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. I don't. And the, the minute you can admit that, that's a vulnerable statement. The minute you say I'm perfectly flawed, the minute you can say that guy or that girl is better than me in, you know, in this aspect, I want to learn from them, but I'm going to get back. That's when you become better together. You know, in some, our ethos is one team, one fight. Or we always say shield to shield, shoulder to shoulder, right? Where, you know, and the point of that is in any relationship, when you both have that connection and you you have connected through adversity and it's been shared adversity and you work through conflict and you're willing to tell people what you need to hear versus what you want to hear, that's where that energy comes from. Because you know you can count on the person to your left and to your right. Mm -hmm. It's not a surface-driven conversation. It's a very vulnerable, deep purposeful, intentional, not conditional conversation. And, and so that's what I mean from that topic that, you know, there are a lot of lonely men in this world. There are a lot of lonely women too. Mm -hmm. And as we continue to go through life, you continue to get more and more lonely because let's face it, the majority of people's networks are terrible. Uh, they're, they're not strong. They are not surrounding themselves with high caliber individuals that are humble, that are hungry, that are smart, you know, that are developing a life, not just for themselves, but for others to benefit too. And that's what I mean. Like that's, it's just, you can only go so far by yourself. You can only go so far by yourself, but there are still so many men out there that are running with their boys from back in high school. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, some of them guys can be extremely successful. I don't find, you know, I'm not running with my circle, not because they're bad guys, but life changes, life evolves. And it really goes back to what kind of vision do you have? And it's the law of the mirror. Maxwell preaches a ton. And that's where that connectivity and growth 
will come from. And that's where you'll see, you can take all the courses in the world. You can be a part of digital courses, go to a Tony Robbins event. And Tony will even say it himself. There's no way Tony Robbins is who Tony Robbins is without him surrounding himself with people better than him to help him go up to another level. Right. Mm -hmm. Why not do that with your own personal life? Why not do that with your marriage? Why not hold your, uh, your wife's hand or your significant other's hand like you did the first day you met them, right? You know, if you want to continue to grow your income, which no one teaches uh, about in financial, they, you know, everybody will teach you how to budget and cut and all that. Well, who's helping you grow your income? Who's helping you create passive income? You know, who's helping you develop memories and create everything that you always dream of, right? That's what I'm talking about. You know, be the tide that lifts the ship, not the ship that's on the tide. Gotcha. That makes sense. There's a there's a lot of men out there that I would say, and I used to be one of these guys, that have no circle of friends. They have oh. they have no one that they hang out with other than their immediate family. And I was like that. I, I would I would if I was wasn't at work, I was at home, and I didn't have any friends. My wife had friends, and I would just hang out with you know her, her friends' husbands and stuff like that. But they weren't yeah. my friends, and. Uh, <laughs> And so it, that's it, what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was. I've been there too. I've been there too. I think that's where we can speak passionately about it. It's yeah. like today at headquarters at Psalm, we have a new guy named Andre, and one of the first questions you are required to answer before you are even invited back is, you know, what wound on your heart do you still have a bandaid on that you have not ripped the bandaid off of? Mm. And you're doing that in front of fifty guys. That and our process is is radically different than you know, traditional men's organizations or even what you see out on social right now. And so it's a very vulnerable place to be in. And he answered it from his heart. So we worked our heart this morning on top of, you know, the sweat equity we put in. But his answer was, it was parallel to what so many men have. He's, you know, and he said, it's the, the wound I keep putting a bandaid over is, is myself, is self-doubt. And, and he went on to explain, you know, he's like, I've got a son, he looks up to me and I tell him every morning when we get when I when I get him in the mirror, you know, to flex your muscle, believe in yourself. And he said, I'm telling him this, but yet I don't do it. I, I don't believe in myself. I don't. I, I, I feel like a failure as a father. I, I'm a hypocrite, if you will. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he went on to say, he said, you know, every time that I would talk about being more, doing more, you know, these dreams, these aspirations my family would place limits on me. They would impose, he didn't say it this way, but this is how I say it. They would impose, their self limits would be placed on me. Therefore they, they limited me because they limited themselves. Right. And that happens, that happens in every family. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's just, I've held myself back. I've held my family back. And I, you know, and it's, you can just see it building as he was talking. And of course we were there to love on him and, you know, just by him doing that, he, you know, he lifted everybody up, right? Because he opened up the door to allow other men to, again, go down that path of vulnerability, which I believe is the greatest superpower any person can harness, but you have to know thyself, which is your greatest gift. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to this, you know, he doesn't, he has, he has one friend and that friend is an equal place that he is in life. Doesn't make him a bad guy play golf with him, disc golf, or go run with him. But where are we growing? Where are we progressing? And that, that fatigues a lot of men. 
that fatigues a lot of women when you say, hey, all right, I need you to chase after your future self. I need you to leave your former self in dust, shake his hand, say, hey, thank you, everything that's happened for me. I appreciate it because I don't look at it as it happened to me, but I got to go this way. I got to chase. I got to chase. I got to run. What ends up happening is a lot of people don't have staying power because we've been taught and programmed and institutionalized, number one, to individualize ourselves. That's why so many people are lonely, and that's why so many networks are shrinking out there right now. And we've been taught to individualize ourselves. Number two, with the invention of the casino in our hands, right, the smartphones, we have gotten so addicted to the Amazon Prime lifestyle that I could click a button and a package arrives at my door the next day or two days from now. Well, we think we can microwave our life like that. You can't do that. You can't microwave success as a mom, right? You can't, you can't short circuit the, the process by any stretch. I've not found it. I was brought to my knees. That's why, you know, I created some. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why I see that a lot. And, and then what ends up happening? Arrogance and pride gets in the way of a man stepping out and saying, you know what? I need help. Right. You know, I, I need help. You know, pride kills more men than cancer and heart disease combined. And one. But once they cross that threshold, once they cross that threshold and they're no longer intimidated and they break down their insecurities, a.k.a. their ego, they explode 10x growth like they've never seen before. Yeah. And that's that's what I've experienced personally, let alone with the men in my life. That makes sense. You, you mentioned pride being a uh, number one killer. There, I used to listen to a, a radio talk show uh, years ago in San Diego. And one of the guys on the show would always say, pride doesn't pay the bills. Pride doesn't pay the bills, man. And I, I always, I always have that in the back of my head too, because there's guys that uh, they'll be out of work for months or whatever. And instead of doing, like do, doing something, you know, to, to help make ends meet, they'd rather just go into a depression and, you know, <laughs> drink themselves to death. And it's like, you know, pride doesn't pay the bills, buddy. Just go do something until you can get, you know. That's a great quote. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to used to really like that show. Um, so you've talked, you've mentioned Psalm a few times. So you're talking about School of Man, yep. right? Um, and you're the founder of that. So is this the kind of stuff that you guys talk about? Yeah, so Psalm, when... So when I was on that third strike, like I talked talk about earlier in the, uh, in the episode, I had to create my own reality. I was, I was that guy that was trying to do everything by himself or my network was within my business. So like when you're an entrepreneur or when you own a business or you're kind of in that, that personality or that world, right? Your business becomes another child. You, your identity becomes your business at the end of the day. You begin to think that that's your network inside your business, but a lot of guys don't have a place to go. And, and it, the truth is it does get lonely at the top, especially for the invulnerable leader. And so I was, I was brought to my knees and basically what I ended up doing, I was like, you know what, I've got to, I have to radically do something different. I thought I did something amazing by graduating hell week and as a civilian. And, you know, I thought that my wife and I were doing great, but boom, it's like life does gives you a, you know, a punch in the mouth. And so I went to a men's group here locally in Little Rock and, you know, I'm not a big religious guy. 
And it was a men's group affiliated with the church. Nothing wrong. I mean, they're doing good work, but I'm a very direct guy. Like I'm a punch you, you know, just a punch in the mouth, tell you what you need to hear. I need that. And that's really where it started was with JC McDaniel in that therapy, uh, that therapy appointment where Ashley's on one end of the couch. I'm on the other. She's crying again. And he said, dude, I don't know what else to do with you. You've been coming for two years. I don't want your money anymore. And he's a, he's a Marine combat vet. And he just knife hands me. He says, I need you to unf yourself right now. I'm done. Unf yourself. So I was losing people that I cared so much about. And a motivating factor for me is I never want to disappoint someone. Mm. Right. Like that was kind of I looked up to him so much. I, I knew at that point I had disappointed him just like I did my father when I was a freshman and sophomore in college when I walked off of a job and I had a dismal 1.2 GPA. Right. Those are things that sting for me emotionally. So I walked into that men's group, man, and I told my story in full chronic masturbation, Adderall, cocaine, the whole nine yards. And man, they looked at me and they went right back to the book. I said, well, screw you guys. You know, I, I know I'm not the only one that's perfectly flawed and vulnerability is a liberate. That's another form of freedom. When you can pull, you know, when you rip those band-aids off and you don't care what anybody thinks, right? You just say whatever it is that's on your heart because you know that one person needs to hear it and receive it. Man, that is, there's nothing more liberating than that. And that's when I went out and just started mentoring one guy by Adam Pratt. And what I was basically doing is creating my own reality. I was having to rebuild my network from scratch. I wasn't going to you know, go to a mastermind or the genius network and put five, 10, 12, 15 grand down at that point, because it wouldn't have remedied my, what I was looking for at that time. Uh, you know, and you have to meet men where, where they are in their life. Right. Mm -hmm. And where I was in my life is I didn't need business coaching at that point. Right. Because you could take the business, throw a match on the money, burn it all down because I was about to lose everything that I've worked so hard for. Right. And I was so busy chasing achievement versus chasing fulfillment. I got the two confused. And that's when I started mentoring Adam Pratt. And I said, man, I'm going to train you to go through hell week the following year. And he said, OK, cool. I said, but we're going to do it my way. We're going to meditate in the middle of the floor during a CrossFit class. We're going to have people look at us in the most crazy ways. I said, we're going to. We're going, to, we're going to work on ourselves emotionally, mentally, spiritually, leadership. I mean, we're going to train like we were created to train because I knew that's the link to help men be more vulnerable, more raw, more real, et cetera. I said, but I'm going to push you to the limits. And what I was basically doing was it was me building my reality and therapy for myself. And it gave me a reason from an accountability perspective because now this guy was counting on me. Yeah. I was using him as an instrument of impact for myself and I was giving him my gift, right? My gift that I was blessed with. And what ended up happening is it became a very much a grassroots movement here locally. Now it's internationally. And I, I'm a believer that in, in order to grow, you go small. And what I mean by that is I believe in tight knit units, eight, 10, 12 man teams, and together collectively, we want at that time, we we basically built the first curriculum, which was a 10 month curriculum. And at the end of the 10th month, 
everybody went through a 55 hour crucible together. And so, but along that way, you had to meet, you had to meet mission after mission, after mission, after mission. Basically you fight how you train. And what I was doing is we were building it. Yes. As we go, men were becoming more vulnerable. We were training like warriors, like we were created to be getting more connected, but I was testing their stamina along with mine. And it gave me a purpose. It gave me, and I, I had to, I had to create this because I was an absent father, right? I was a non-existent husband. So I found men that were better than me. And all I did was model after those guys. Mm-hmm. And that was the first class of science. So it's very much built now to where it's like jujitsu. You know, if you understand that model, kind of starting from a white belt and you earn your way up, it's a, it's a full blown process because I just don't believe, I don't believe in shortcut, shortcutting the system. I mean, I'm, I need it more now than I've ever needed before in just a different way. Got it. Okay. So is this all online or do you guys have actual like, uh, we have locations. Yeah. Yep. Actual locations and, and it's worldwide. You said, so we have a virtual component Okay. and then we have headquarters. We have Houston, Texas, and we are launching at the beginning of this year. We're expanding into the affiliate model. Uh, so it's a one-stop shop for manhood because I mean, it's, I personally believe that the, the physical links into the mental, the emotional, the intuitional and spiritual, but we have all kinds of programs, school of money, money mindset to marriage and money to our uh, born to lead series, our son of man for the men that want more raw and real discussions around Christ. Uh, you know, it's not an affiliate with the church, but you know, we're having, we're getting called more uh, because there's a lot of burned out men's ministries right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they just are having a tough time answering what's next. And a lot of that has to do with just the standards and the difference of models, if you will. But, yeah, so it, it's fuel, some fuel. I mean, that's helping men with their nutrition, make sure that they're not swimming in T-shirts type of deal. Got it. But, okay. Yep. That's fascinating. So what what's the biggest struggle you see men having today? Or does it vary just too much? No, no, no. I, I alluded to it earlier. Right? It's still self-doubt. I mean, it's still, <laughs> it is still questioning oneself. Uh, it's, it's basically making these strides that they make, these, these strides. And then when life punches them, they, they, they fall on their ass and they make every excuse to not get up which excuses or lies at the end of the day. It's just easier to be my former self versus chase my future self. And I, I'm very much driven by self-doubt and, of course, fear that, you know, well, what if I become that man? You know, what do I do next? You know, then what's next? You know, it just the stamina, the staying power, I, I would say, is the is the greatest challenge and opportunity at the end of the day. But that's a 1% man mind, mindset. 99% of men would rather hit the average button all day long mm-hmm. and, and they're okay with it, which we're not in some. I mean, that's why, you know, that's why we are who we are. Yeah. In the, in the notes that your, your people sent me, there was a really good point in there uh, that, that was, 
that it takes just as much energy to think small as it does to, to think big? 100%. <laughs> actually, actually, you, I mean, think about it that way. I mean, I would rather fail big all day long mm-hmm. because I'll lose, I'll lose everything thinking small. And, and again, going back to men being taught to be individuals, this, you know, so separating ourselves, the men will ostracize themselves faster than any, any other group will ostracize them. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to kind of pride doesn't pay the bills that quote. Yeah. But that's what I have seen. I mean, we run our school of money. We just got finished with one of the series school of money, money mindset and the money mindset. They, a lot of times men let their upbringing influence their goals. Mm-hmm. And they, instead of looking at things from, Oh, this is $180 a month investment. They look at it as an expense and a, you know, and they don't, and teaching someone to say, no, dude, you take that 180 and you convert that into $1,800 a month of cash flow back to you. That's how you have to be thinking in regards to it. Right. A lot of men don't think like that. Uh, yeah. they, 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 they just don't. So it's a, the mind, the mind is our strongest muscle and that the lot that men just don't work until they're required. It's like at, at headquarters here, it's zero dark 30 every day. You wake up at 4 a.m. We muster at 4.45 a.m. We get a new group that comes in. We have we start two classes every year, January and July. All right. And that class over time, before it officially starts, just keeps dwindling down. Because people, we train- keep people, uh, people uh, quit. They drop out. Yeah. I mean, so they'll come in hot, you know, just like a bullet out of a gun. Like, man, this is my why. This is what I want to do. You know, this is, you know, I need you guys more than ever. I'll say, okay, we'll see. In, we'll see in 90 days, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to be fired up on the front end. Talk to me, the guy who's there still in the dog days of summer, who's still in September, who is still grinding and trusting the process when shit is just going haywire in his life. That's the guy I want to hear. But, you know, that's, it's the staying power deal that I keep talking about. Yeah. It's easy to get fired up on the front end. It's easy to be all uh, feeling good about oneself when you're on a high. But I promise you this, life will deliver a knock at the door. Some form, some fashion. And that test, your grade will be for that test, your response. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think a, a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, you, you mentioned going through uh, Hell Week. Did you actually go through Hell Week or was it like a, a Hell Week like? It was a simulation of Hell Week by, okay. by the SEALs. So they're training buds, candidates to get ready for it. And they allow civilians in it. Okay. And yeah, I mean, mine was my, my teammate. And this is a part of my story. It's in the book, et cetera. He died at my feet. And he was my swim buddy the entire time. Mm. And I mean, there's a whole, I mean, that's a whole episode in and of itself of the lessons learned. And, you know, the, the, it was, that had, you know, that happened. Kirk saved my marriage. Kirk saved my life. You know, it, he thrusted me to realize that nothing is promised. And it, because of that is what got me on that Christian radio show. And because of that Christian radio show, I let it all go because I saw a man give everything he had. And because of that, it led me back to the therapist office, even though as bad as it hurt, I needed to feel the pain. 
because I knew that a man wasn't going back to his wife and his kids. I had zero excuses at that point. <laughs> yeah. And it was zero excuses at that point. And that's what thrust me into, into completely, completely being reborn as a man, but it's taken me five years and it's, there's not a finish line. There's just not. And I always go back to Kirk. I mean, Kirk is a big deal within our organization. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. The work never stops. Uh, going back to, to the hell week thing and, and people dropping out though. Um, I was, I was in the military and I remember going into, into boot camp, and I, I was, I grew up doing martial arts and stuff. I had this really yeah, great cool. sensei and he, he was a, a, uh, an army ranger. And, uh, yeah. and so right before I went for, uh, went off to the Navy, he was telling me, he's like, look, it's all, it's all about your mental attitude about mm-hmm. it. He's like, you can get through anything. If you, you just need to sit there, if, even if the, the suckiest moments, you just need to say, you know what? I'll get through this. And he's like, you will. He's like, but uh, the guys around you are going to be dropping out. They're going to want to quit. They're going to do all this kind of stuff because they just, they won't have that same mental attitude. But he's like, as long as you have that can do attitude, you'll be just fine. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that since I gave you wisdom that has paid dividends, I guarantee you tenfold in your life. Right. And yeah, definitely. You know, goes back to our network is our net worth and it does it goes back to the better together aspect of it doesn't mean that you and your sensei spent every waking hour together no i mean he he saw something in you from a humility a hunger emotion a guy that just just had that it factor and poured into you just that little wisdom to allow you to completely expand your life right mm-hmm. knowing there's going to be challenges on the horizon versus the guy might be next to you. He didn't have that type of influence. He didn't have that type of mentorship or the coaching. Right. And you know, the one thing I see from a quitting perspective, it's infectious, man. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you get around a bunch of guys that quit that ring the bell that just say, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm done. It's just kind of like on a road trip. You're kind of waiting on the person to say, I need to, I, I need to pull over and use the bathroom. You know, that you didn't want to be the guy that said it, but when that person says it, then you're like, oh, thank God. You know, thank God. That's, mm-hmm. and that's what I saw. I mean, we were one of nine out of 50 that found our new starting line. I mean, they're buds candidates and, you know, Marsoc guys that were there that just decided to, to bolt, you know, and said, hey, this isn't for me. I came for what I needed and I don't want to go down that route. And I was, you know, I, I got it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the back of, that entire we're sitting in the surf that first night in the Pacific and you just hear the, the bell ring. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, and you see guys peel off, you know, if a guy has a big why or not. And you know, that's just, that's just facts. That's the facts. And don't look at them any different, but quitting is infectious, but so is winning. And when you get a guy that is coachable, He's, he wants to freaking win. He's asking you all the questions. He's just watching every move. That, there's no better feeling than seeing that guy go from A to B to C and just continuing to progress in his life. No better feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So 
you've also accomplished, uh, you're an accomplished uh, endurance athlete mm-hmm. and uh, you did, you did buds, which is, you know, most people don't do you've, you've done Spartan races and other similar events. Have you ever done a tough mutter? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got, another, I got another one at the end of the month of June. I was supposed to do it a couple weekends ago, but family emergency kind of pulled me off of that one. Yeah. I did. I've done the world's toughest mutter. 24 hours of burpees, eight miles of lunges. Uh, I mean, we do a lot of crazy stuff in SOM. I mean, that's kind of a part of our formula. We work you up towards, you know, just upgrading your mind and your belief system. Uh, this year, I'm going for the 24 hours of Murph world record. Been oh, training wow. for it for almost two years. So it's, uh, that's just, you know, that's one of those things for me. Done Ironman and all that good stuff. That's one of those things for me that, I want to be tested. Like I have to volunteer myself because that's a part of, you know, that dark side of me that I have to convert into light. That makes sense Mm -hmm. at all. Uh, And that's what I've converted into. And and going back to the why it's, uh, this is what I said at Psalm this morning at headquarters. I said, you know, your why can be powerful. Yeah, sure. We Simon Sinek wrote a book about it. You see plenty of, YouTube videos about it, yada, 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 yada. But how is it powerful if it's never been tested? Mm. Right. You know, it's, it's a meme on an Instagram page. And the number two is, it's not just why are you here, but who are you fighting for? Going back to that who? I just find it to where I, I, I know thyself a hell of a lot better when I'm fighting for someone else. Yes, including myself with my mother battling cancer for the third time. My son is autistic. My cousin's downs. You know, they don't use any of this stuff as excuses, right? My wife, Ashley, my kids need the very best of coal. The very best, because I know when the knock at the door comes, they can count on me. I'm going to run to the sound of gunfire. I'm going to run to the sound of adversity. I'm going to be vulnerable. And that's why I do what I do for the who's in my life. They can count on me. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Go back to Tough Mudder last year. Um, I did some half marathons and and ultra races, and I did a That's uh, cool. I did a marathon, but I've never done an obstacle race. So, All and right. I've always wanted to. So I finally this year I was like, you know, I'm going to sign up for for a Tough Mudder or something like that. So I signed up for Tough Mudder, and uh, so I just started training for that. But do you have any tips for for someone who's never done that before? Man, I would say. When is it? It's in July. I got oh. I, I got about two and a half months or so before. Yeah, I, I would say, of course, focus on linear progression training. All right, you don't want to you don't want to peak too early, and you want to. And there, I look for optimal performance versus peak performance. I'm looking just kind of that steady grade up. Don't overtrain, uh, right? You don't want to overtrain because that's where a lot of athletes are going to get injured. Mm-hmm. But I would say from a training perspective with an obstacle course race, uh, your grip strength, I mean, that upper body strength, getting a nice progression in your runs, some brick training a little bit would help coming off the bike uh, into a run. But I would focus on the middle four weeks. I'd use my first four weeks as an on-ramp, and I would use my second four, four weeks as really the training period. And I would honestly recover as much as I train. 
that's what I do in my Merv. I'm very scientific with my stuff is that my recovering matches my training, you know? So, I mean, and then of course have fun. That's what it's supposed to be. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be a good time. And if you're going for time, you know, figure out what that time is and, you know, make sure you have a why behind that time and have at least too many tests leading up to it. Uh, right to get your to get your confidence underneath your belt got it okay thank you very much for that uh what's the toughest event that you've done that you've ever done so far oh man it's it's been my herb test so far i've done of course uh, i said eight miles of lunges 24 hours of burpees the eight hours of burpees that i did three thousand burpees and that was that was pretty gnarly in and of itself but the Murph, the 24 hours of Murph. So, you know, the Murph is one mile run, 100 pull ups, 200 push ups, 300 air squats, one mile run with a 20 pound vest on. Yeah. This, and that's pounds. a, that's a CrossFit thing, right? Yeah. So it's out, it's in honor of Lieutenant Michael Murphy, fallen Navy SEAL from Operation Red Wings. He's the one that anybody that's seen Lone Survivor stepped out on the, the rock open. You know, he knew he wasn't coming home, but he still made the call. And that's my rallying cry. That's my, that's my battle cry. Is, make the damn call, right? Like make the call. He, he did, he paid the ultimate sacrifice, but it's showing men the art of living versus existing. And it would be this Merv training, which I knew it was going to be impossible first because holding a pace at what I need to hold it to is required. And it's, and it's just me. Now there'd be, I've got a supporting cast and you know what, men and women that are helping me along the way, coaching me, et cetera, handling my programming, my nutrition and all that. But once I get into the zone, I get into the zone. Like it's, it's, it gets spiritual. So right now I would say where I am, the, the Murph training, the Murph test that I've done, the seven rounds of Murph, the 10 rounds of Murph, the 12 rounds of Murph, getting up to the 20, it's by far my hardest test so far because I don't have anybody to lock arms with. <clears throat> on this one. Uh, you're doing it doing it all by yourself huh um, yeah and just going to show people that doing life alone sucks <laughs> i mean that's i've told people that's i told my men i said training alone sucks doing life alone sucks i mean but this is also to show my men and the men that follow me and my kids you know you got to trust the process and when you commit to something you go full sin you go all in on it mm-hmm. and you hold your commitment. You honor your commitment to who yourself first. And so there's a deep, deep meaning to it. But yeah. Yeah. One thing, uh, I actually like training by myself. I, I have a run club that I'm a part of yeah. here. And, uh, and so I'll go running with, with members of the run club uh, occasionally, sure. but on, on days when they're not available or whatever, I, I enjoy running by myself. Yeah. Because like I can, I can listen to a, you know, audiobook or a podcast and sort yeah. of get in my own zone. And on top of that, um, I like holding myself accountable, sure. you know, cause it's so easy to say, well, I don't have anyone to run with today, so I'm not going to go run. But, yeah. but if you have that discipline to be like, well, I'm running today anyway, I don't care if anyone's going to be there or not. Uh, that's a good place to be. And yet I think men, more men should put themselves in that kind of position and have that. No, not. And I agree. And don't get me wrong. Like yeah. at zero dark 30, when I'm training, there's definitely solace in my training. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I plug myself into some, 
and you feel that energy transfer, your 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 levels go up. You just do. It, it's you know we're a very team based organization that's mm-hmm. you know built on good healthy rivalries and, and competition, but you know that's the other piece to my equation of like kind of what you said is that the accountability aspect there's nobody else but you right like what you do in the dark will show itself in the light like it's just that's flat out like so if you're training for a tough mutter or if it's a 5k or a team whatever it is that's meaningful to you you're honoring your commitment to thyself Mm -hmm. i mean the account you know accountability is the the single greatest self accountability is the single greatest cornerstone in building your character. Right. It just, it just simply is. And it's paid dividends for me because I know whether it be in my business, my marriage, my being, whatever, that when adversity does hold up, that my training is going to pull me through versus push me through. There's a major difference between that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think I have one last question here and then, and then we can wrap up. Um, and I, and I just thought of this, but, uh, you have school of man and, uh, obviously it's, it's for men. What would you ever do? This is very hypothetical too, but like, what would you ever do if some woman's group was like, Hey, you need to, you need to include women in the school of man. We already have, we already have that. It's called, it's called strength and sisterhood. It's okay. our sister. It's our sis program. So strength and sisterhood, because what, what ended up happening in the early days, and this we've been in existence for four and a half years, and this is we're building this to outlast all of us. Hundred plus years history, like the Marines and the hundred first, etc. That's our motto, and that's our vision. But what we started to see is is that our wives and or women in general would be reaching out to us is like, hey, we want something very similar to what you guys are doing. Well, hell, I'm not a woman, and at that time. I was just doing my best to keep my marriage together. Yeah. Right. So what we did over time is crawl, walk, run, right? Started. And this is an important part when you're building an organization, a business or anything, finding the right people to put in the right seats is the hardest thing that you can do. But once you do it and you get everybody bought into a common goal, common vision, et cetera, then it becomes 10 X, you know, it starts 10xing itself. And so that's where strength and sisterhood was born. And so that is where it's starting. It'll more than likely outpace some right now. It is a different model because ours is very much, you, you get this from a military perspective. Ours is like a, you got the big army and then you've got the SF and then you've got Delta. You know, that's how some really progresses. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, like you can stay in big army as long as you want, but we have a very much, we have a very much want for you to progress for yourself, etc. There's no monetary difference there, but the the strength and sisterhood, just a different, it's just a, it's just a different format, it's a different platform. Seeing incredible results over there, and I'll be honest too, women are lonely as well. Like they're looking for more connectivity, more. You know, bonding and not that artificial brotherhood or artificial sisterhood. No, something that they can, you know, can take their stuff to, mm-hmm. not be judged. And then you walk away and you produce lasting results in your life based upon that network and the tactics and the lessons that you've learned together. 
sorry, I go on and on about it. I mean, like, that's no, no, our, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that's, you know, that is definitely a passion of ours along with our better together program, you know, for marriages. I mean, stuff as simple as school of money, money and marriage meant that that's that number one friction. Some guy, some guys like me have held the carrot over the head and other guys just struggle to communicate from a financial perspective. And then we've got a, a youth program coming out for our young men called the called Raising Men that launches this fall. I think that's really helpful too, because uh, I feel like our society uh, over the last 40 years or so has sort of started not really raising men. You know, we, we raise yeah. sensitive sort of, how do I put this? It, uh, uh, Rolo Tomasi puts it as defective women. We're not raising yeah. men. We're raising essentially defective women. You know, uh, you're, you're seeing it play out in front of our eyes. I mean, yeah. And you know, that kind of goes on that happiness grid that I was talking about that dip. Every man wants to find his inner gorilla. I don't care who he is. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I'm in this label of toxic masculinity. That's bull crap. So, you know, yeah. just, I don't know of any toxic man, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not surrounding myself with that type of person. I don't even know what that really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but young boys desperately want to grow into becoming a man. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. But we have been, once again, bought hook, line, we, we bought it hook, line, and sinker. You have to be politically correct. You have to do this, that, and the other. Uh, everybody gets a ribbon. That's bullcrap. Yeah, that's just, it's just bullcrap, and that's just where I see this is as a renaissance period. We're on the very early, and I'll be honest too. Men's groups have not helped themselves either. Men's groups with churches definitely have not helped themselves. I'm not blaming the church. I'm not blaming the men's group. I think there's just ill equipping there, and it's very one dimensional. In certain aspects, you know, it's it's kind of the whole this. That's what also I got disfranchised with is like you got to show up every Thursday and there's no progress. Like this guy's still overweight with one foot in the damn grave. But yet y'all just want to do do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different results. None of y'all are telling each other what you need to hear. You're just telling each other what you want to hear. And you get your, your, your feelings feeling good. And but then you come out of the retreat and you just fall flat on your face. And you're so afraid to actually bring the hard shit out into the group because you're afraid to be, what are they going to think of? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another aspect that is in a Renaissance period in and of itself, but we're in the very early stages of it. And that's where we have to reclaim manhood back and masculinity doesn't have to be like the industrial revolution by any stretch. doesn't have to be world two, world two, uh, the hardest, World one and world two, greatest generations. Mm-hmm. Firmly believe it, but also men at that time they didn't talk about anything. Mm-hmm. They did. That's that honestly is where depression started for men today. Is because we started saying, you know, you suppress everything. Yeah, uh, you don't talk about anything. Right? They didn't want to talk about the atrocities or horrors that they saw in the U- European theater or over in the Asia Pacific. They just came home, they went to work and they earned they earned a pay and mama and the kids were taken care of and we lived, quote unquote, the American dream. Mm-hmm. So I just feel organizations 
like some men like you, uh, you know, that are out there putting more and more good information, good dialogue, healthy dialogue behind it is going to constantly, it's just like anything else. It's a, just a big ship that's slowly turning and slowly moving around. But you want to make sure you align yourselves with organizations that are doing it the right way too. I, I firmly believe that coming up and screaming in a guy's face and telling him he sucks and he's blah, 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 blah. And he, that would not work with me. Mm-hmm. You got to meet men where they are, right? You just got to meet men where they are. It doesn't mean I like to shoot. I'm a tactical guy. I like to shoot. All right. Uh, do, but that doesn't mean that's what makes you a man, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. any, you know, so I could go on and on all day about that topic, but we're, we're in the Renaissance period, but where do you think these boys are getting it from? You walk into a Starbucks these days, and I don't know. Sometimes I can't tell if that's a man I'm looking at from behind or a woman. <laughs> and that's yeah. not me being rude. It's just me being the truth because yeah. so many guys have bought into the dad bod mindset. And they get they are Al Bundy saying, you know, I had six touchdowns back in 1998. And not, they, they've rested on past victories, and that's exactly where they left their life. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Cole, this conversation was great. Um, where can people find you online? Best place to go is schoolman.live. It has everything there. explains the story. And then, of course, find us on social, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Pick up the book, schoolmanbook.com. That's, you know, th- those are great places to start. Uh, those are great places to start. And, of course, if you ever just want to reach out to me personally, Cole at schoolman.live, I respond to every email. And would love to, you know, if you have something on your mind, on your heart, be be happy to ask you the hard questions that are going to unlock the real results. That's awesome. Cole, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I'm extremely grateful, my man. All right. You have a good one. Cole, thanks for joining me. I really appreciated it. Uh, I really appreciate the tip about Tough Butter. Um, Wish me luck. I've been practicing a lot on my monkey rings. <laughs> I apologize for the audio for the intro and outro. It's not very professional, but uh, it is what it is. And um, like I said, the show must go on. Uh, the actual interview part actually went really well, though. So, um, all right, guys, that's pretty much all I have for this week. We'll catch you next week on Monday. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.